I don't buy the idea that, you know, the society the way it is right now, it has to be this way. Welcome to Rewrite the Rules with your host, Alex Starr. So many of us choose our path out of fear disguised as practicality. It's time to live life on your own terms. What do you really want? Welcome, welcome to a fresh episode of Rewrite the Rules. Thank you so much for tuning in. If I sound tired, that's because I am. Uh, a lot of delayed flights last night and uh, got to get this episode up. So I'm here uh, late at night recording this so I can post it tomorrow. Today, my guest is Eric Weiner of the Wild Honey Pie, um, which basically he is on because he's doing incredible stuff with the music industry and he's trying to bring community back. Um, so he's doing everything through like intimate um, concerts and dinner parties with these bands. Um, they're also throwing this giant, basically adult summer camp that's called Welcome Campers um, up in Massachusetts, which seems awesome. And uh, I'm going to do my best to get out there next year. Um, if anyone's looking for something to do for Memorial Day weekend and is up in Massachusetts, uh, look at Welcome Campers um, on their website, thewildhoneypie.com, because it's just basically a huge adult summer camp with shows on a lake. Um, so excited for you guys to hear from Eric because what he's doing is really trying to revolutionize and kind of bring the music industry back to basics. Um, and I appreciate Michelle King over at Noisy Ghost PR at putting us in touch. Um, and Eric also goes into his what that entails and how he has managed to run a business in spite of that. So I know you guys are going to love it as all and got some big stuff in the works. So excited to share that with you guys coming up. Eric, thanks for coming on, bro, and doing the first iPhone podcast. <laughs> My pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. So I'm stoked to have you on because you're the first, um, you know, you're the first music guy, really, that um, that I've had on, and you got this platform and business and this conglomerate, basically, uh, called Wild Honey Pie. Um, and just for everyone that has no idea what the hell that is, um, you know, can you just give just a brief intro as to kind of what you're you're trying to do with that platform and, and helping music? Absolutely. So the wild honey <laughs> you know that question was coming. <laughs> sure did. Sure did. So the wild honey pie exists to introduce people to their next favorite bands. It's a music discovery community, music discovery platform. We see it as our responsibility to work directly with artists and their teams to help them build long-lasting relationships with a new fan base. What's happened in the last few years, especially with the rise of streaming, is you ask someone what their favorite song is, and half the time they don't even know who sings it. Fandom is really diminishing and uh, and I think we have playlists to blame. Uh, mm-hmm. Long story short, it seems as if the album has died, and then it's placed with a playlist, which is, is good, you know, fine and well. And, and I think Spotify and Apple Music are a great thing for the future of music, especially for curators like myself. But I do think that the relationship between artists and fans uh, is something that we cannot neglect and that we need to find very creative ways of bridging the gap, tearing down the barriers that exist between artists and fans, and helping facilitate these genuine relationships. 
Where do you think that that, like, what's that going to look like going forth with, you know, everything being such, you know, impulse and uh, immediate gratification and, you know, people just want to listen to that one specific song, like you're saying. I mean, do you see artists eventually creating almost just singles all the time and never putting out albums? Because, I mean, I've thought about that. Sometimes. What do you think is going to happen? I certainly think there will be certain artists that only release singles. I know a lot of artists that are doing this already. Uh, there's an artist I follow. They're, they're called Gems. And I feel like every month they have a new song out. But there's no album. And uh, mm-hmm. it's really cool to watch. And I think that it, it does work in some, in some instances. And that being said, I, I'm personally, I listen to albums. I love nothing more than putting on a record and listening to it all the way through Falling in love with that record over and over. And I think that it's very, very important as an art form to do that. But that being said, you know, not everyone appreciates all art forms. You know, just as, just as not everyone appreciates going to MoMA or the Whitney or, you know, all these different museums, not everyone appreciates the art form of the album. And for those people, which arguably is the majority who prefer their music in single form, they do need to be catered to. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I think that it's the, the role of the label and the artist, management company, and media companies in general, to help uh, create these interactions and help expose people not only to the songs and the singles, but to the albums as a whole, and to help shape consumer habits. Right, right. And that's right. part of what we're trying to do as well, because, you know, we're, we, we are playlisters. Part of our business is very much involves playlisting, but it involves editorial. So not, not just including a song on a playlist, but, but actually writing about it, giving people some context. Uh, mm. Context is everything, and, and giving people an introduction to an artist. You know, like when I say we introduce people to their next favorite band, it doesn't just mean playlisting or, you know, basically we're going beyond that. And we're saying, you know, not only are you going to listen to this band's song, but you're going to see them creating this song in a music video. You can listen to the song you hear in that music video then on Spotify or Apple Music or Pandora. And we can go even further than that. And we will quite literally introduce you to them. You can go to a dinner with them. You can go to summer camp with them. And mm-hmm. these are the bands that you're going to fall in love with now and feel like you're a part of their success, feel like you are a part of their rise. And that is a really fulfilling feeling as a fan because it's something that I've personally felt, and I'm hoping that I can share that feeling with others. Yeah, and I remember that being much more of a thing when we were both, I think we're the same age, so back when we were in junior high and even early high school, like, when you found a band you liked, you really did feel like they were your friends and that, you know, people would get territorial about, I found this band first, <laughs> you know, and now, now everyone discovered them, but, you know, they're my band. You know, there was this very kind of deep, like you said, connection that um, that slowly got Napstered away. Um, so... Can you talk more about, you know, like you said, the dinners and the events? I mean, one of the coolest things I think you're doing personally is the Welcome Campers Summer Camp, which looks like a paradise. Um, but can you yeah, talk more sure about is. the dinners and, yeah, the dinners and, and the summer camp? 
I mean, can you talk more about just like why you guys are doing that? Because it's so cool. Well, like, it all goes. It all comes down to questioning how things are currently done and the status quo. There is no reason to keep doing things the way they're done because they've been done that way for decades. So you look at the concert as a format. For seven years, I ran my business throwing concerts. It wasn't a huge revenue stream for us, but it was an important part of our model with meeting people, getting into the real world, and introducing people to new artists that they're going to love through live events. We took over venues. We were creative most of the time, but at, at, the same, at the same time, we were still limited. So what we thought of is, is how can we improve on the concert model? So if you're going to a concert, you go out to dinner with your friend before, you're at the concert, you spend 20 bucks to get in, you buy one or two drinks, you know, they're $10 each, you're easily spending 50 to to $100. Mm-hmm. So for that same price, why not just do what we're doing here with our dinner party concert series, serve a three-course meal, make the beer free all night, and include a performance for $50. So not only that, you're not going to a concert, you're going to an experience. Mm-hmm. And there's a huge difference. A concert is an incredibly insular experience. You go with your friends, you talk to your friends, you don't meet new people typically, and you go and you watch some music. But with these dinner parties, what's really inspiring for me to be a part of it is that I go... And I make five to ten new friends. Mm-hmm. Genuinely cool people that I want to hang out with. And that's a really exciting thing to be a part of. Not only that, but I'm also hanging out with the band. You know, it's not, it's not just about seeing them perform, but it's about getting to meet them, understand their personalities, and feel like, feel like you, they, you know, ha- allow them the opportunity to make a real tangible impact in your life in a way that you will never forget. So these dinner parties have really, for me, replaced, uh, and I still go to concerts all the time, but replaced the, it's almost like a, a concert times a million for me. And it, it's just a way for us, a way for us to, to say, we've been to a million concerts, we know how they go. There's no fully replacing the concert experience uh, but as far as concerts go, this is how we do it. Because right. we love food, we love alcohol, we love music. So why, why not combine them all in a way that's really tasteful and, and, and in every sense of it is a community-building activity. And with the same approach, we're taking on music festivals. So instead of saying, you know, we're going to throw a music festival, we're going to raise millions of dollars or at least try to, uh, from investors, we're going to book big headliners, we're going to book a festival ground. Uh, what we're saying is let's, let's do it the way we want it. Let's make a festival that we want to go to and be a part of. So no long lines for food. No $15 beers. You know, Love it. I'm, willing Love it. Sacrifice the, the, <laughs> I'm willing to sacrifice the, the, the huge headliners and go to one of those festivals that they're all playing because all the major music festivals have the same lineup these days. Right. I'd rather right. go to a, a music festival where I can find new artists that I am, I'm going to feel passionate about. And as a festival organizer, it's going to be a lot more uh, reasonable from a financial point of view to book emerging talent versus festival headliners. So, right. with Welcome Kids, 
over a kid's summer camp for three days and two nights. Our guests pay $250, and they don't have to buy a single drink. They don't have to buy a single meal. They sleep in a bed. There's showers. There's sinks. There's toilets. It's a comfortable, not luxurious, but comfortable festival going experience where you're going to see, you know, there are 400 other people. You're going to see these great bands, but you're going to meet great people and you're going to feel like you're a part of something bigger than yourself and you're going to make some genuine friends. Now, what I also love about wealthy campers is slightly older age demographic. So it's really not, you know, it's 21 and up festival. So your your average attendee is more along the lines of a 30-year-old than mm. a 19-year-old. And now, nothing against 19-year-olds, but <laughs> I'm 30, and I'd like to spend time with a crowd that is a little bit more mature than than that demographic. <laughs> that that isn't that isn't triple dosing triple dosing uh, Molly and and doing beer bongs. <laughs> I mean, we've we've all been there, but we've all been there. That's for you sure. Know. Yeah, <laughs> but but not not at not at least not for me at Welcome Campers. And that being said, Welcome Campers is what you make of it. If you're there to do drugs, you know we're not policing you. Obviously, if it's an illegal activity and we catch you, that's not that's not a great thing. But you know we have security. We take care. We make sure everyone's safe. Uh, but it's not a festival about going crazy. You know, it's right. not the kind of music festival you need a vacation from when you get home. It's relaxing. It's, it's low-key. And I think that that's really important to me. I'm a low-key kind of guy. I went to the University of Colorado. I enjoy relaxing. And, you know, I, it, there's, there's nothing better to me than seeing an artist play on an open field, sitting on a picnic blanket, drinking a little bit of whiskey, and, t- and taking in the music. So that's what we're replicating. The bands are not playing on major stages. They're playing in open fields. They're playing at the waterfront. They're playing, uh, doing sunset happy hour performances. We do nature hikes. We have an artist playing next to a waterfall, acoustic in the middle of the woods for 30 feet. You know, there's all you these really- <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, you know, it's all about these moments and making sure that people can really cherish them for what they are. Uh, it's, it's not rocket science. We're just trying to do the best possible work we can and try to be better than, than what we experience ourselves um, at, other, at other music festivals. Now, yeah. there's festivals like New, Newport Folk Festival is, is an amazing music festival. And then there's festivals like Governor's Ball, where I'm sure it's great if you're VIP, which is the experience that I have. But if you're not a VIP, you're waiting on these long lines. You're spending too much on food and alcohol. You're you're standing hundreds of yards away from the, the artist. And you, you you might as well take a trip and go to Primavera Sound in Barcelona and see the same artist that came on the water. Uh, yeah, yeah what happened really... Personally. Yeah, and it seems like a lot of people that I hear... and I've been to Coachella and, like, Stagecoach and a lot of those kind of bigger music festivals and you definitely get the feel that, you know, companies got their greedy hands on it to just make music off of, or I'm sorry, make money off of every little, you know, entry point that they could just to suck every last dime out of everyone going. 
and it does feel like it loses its its luster when you go to those types of things. You know, you can tell that it's everything's a little sold out. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. Uh, but from from one from one perspective, I do think that it's important to experience that kind of festival. For sure, they're it's fun. Huge. Itself. It's it's, <laughs> it's it's like going to it. It's man. like. It's like going to an NFL game or a major yeah. league baseball game. It's huge. It's a massive experience. But, you know, these, these smaller experiences are, are what I truly believe are the future of the events industry. I see people wanting to scale back. I see people wanting to have more intimate experiences. I see people wanting to form these genuine relationships with artists. I want, and honestly, I want to be a part of that, and I want to be a leader in that. And that's what we're attempting to do with Welcome Campers. That's what we're attempting to do with our dinner party concerts. Um, and, and really the Wild Honey Pie in general as a company and as a platform. That's awesome. I mean, what I, you talking about it really makes me, you know, there's so much of a pushback against technology recently. So it's like, to me, you guys are like the flip phones of the music industry in a good way. You know, like there's people that are realizing that technology has gone too far and that it's, it's it's disrupted things that people generally used to enjoy. And so this, to me, like you talking about it, it's like you're bringing the 60s back to music, man. <laughs> like you're bringing a little bit of Woodstock back, so it's cool. Yeah, it's a funny, it's a funny uh, position to be in where, you know, welcome campers, we want to get the word out. We want people posting on Snapchat, posting on Instagram, posting to Facebook yeah. and Twitter. But at the same time, we want people to be in the moment. We want people to be present. So I'm mm. willing to have less social media attention at an event. And this is really probably not what our sponsors and partners want us to say. Uh, but we want people to be there. And, and if they're off their phones, I think that that's a, a major success. Uh, and I think it speaks to the job that my team does. Because this is a lot bigger than me. Uh, I'll tell you that much. It's, the Wild Honey Pie and Welcome Cares, none of it will be without our volunteers, without our staff, without the team that, that I've built that, that has been rallied around me, uh, and people that, that put so much time and love and passion into something that really doesn't pay them all that much, but they know that they're making a real difference in people's lives, and I think that that's what motivates them right. the most. <laughs> And where do you have them? Where are the, the Welcome Campers? Where are those summer camps every, every summer? So Welcome Campers is in western Massachusetts, uh, in the okay. Berkshires, which is a beautiful section of the country. Mm-hmm. Welcome Campers was actually launched at my parents' house in Westchester, New York. So the first year we did it, it was a single day. We had about 100 people to my parents' property on a lake. We had a pool party. No shit. Uh, it, was, it was wild, but we knew we had to grow it. Uh, and we, we uh, with year two, went to a summer camp, the one that we are still at. Uh, and then year three, we actually went to Texas. Uh, excuse me. We went to Texas uh, right out of Austin to Marble Falls. Uh, camp Champions is the, the name of the, the camp. And uh, had a great time. But it right now makes the most sense to do this in the Northeast. We'd love to expand, but people need to buy tickets. People need to support the festival. They like the idea. They want to be a part of it. Don't wait. Buy a ticket. Be a part of it. You won't regret it. I mean, people don't like Wells and Gampers. 
people freaking love it. There's no like people get back and they say, I can't, I can't stop thinking about it. So, you know, this is the year I'm, I'm really, people are starting to buy their tickets or getting excited. They're spreading the word. And I'm hoping that, yeah. you know, these last few weeks before the festival that, you know, if people cement their, their Memorial Day weekend plans that they really consider joining us at Wealthy Campers. And if not, then maybe they come to one of our dinner parties. Yeah, man. Cool. Well, I'm glad that we're doing this podcast now so I can help get the word out about it um, quickly. And so why do you put the, is the cap at 400? Is that due to, I'm guessing, because you want it to remain, you know, somewhat intimate? Um, do you see that expanding or did you find that 400 is kind of the magic number of having enough people there, but, you know, not too much? The camp that we host Wilson Campers at can only fit 400. So okay. there's your answer. We, we can't do it any bigger unless we move camps. Now, the solution to that, in my opinion, is to just do more Wilson Campers. I'd love to do this Memorial Day weekend and Labor Day weekend. In fact, mm-hmm. I'd love to also do it during South by Southwest Interactive in Marble Falls at, at Camp Champion. So the, the idea is to do more of these uh, summer than we're currently doing, but Right now, we have to focus on, on this one singular Welcome Campers a year and selling it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it sounds badass, man. It really does sound like a little uh, Woodstock. And uh, and everything that, as an adult, you are nostalgic for, you know, from your childhood, just encapsulated in one camp. Um, let's switch gears a little bit. I know that you had mentioned, you know, that through all this, um, you had been uh you know you have bipolar uh disorder and like managing that while you know really ramping up this you know this this company um that now you know you're managing all these different people um so let's kind of jump into that because i'm super curious about you know how did that you know how did that start you know did you always knew that you had that or did it kind of like something trigger it and then how have you like managed that through through this time yeah, man, it's, uh, I know those are kind of know, big I, questions to start it off, but. No, it's important though. Uh, cause I think it's important for anyone that does struggle with their mental health to know that even, even if you have, uh, issues per se, that it, nothing can't be overcome. Uh, I was hospitalized multiple times for, for my disorder, and, and it actually went beyond just being bipolar. I was in a psychotic break. I had hallucinations, and I uh, had convinced myself that horrible things were happening, uh, you know, unrealistic, but uh, it's really awful, uh, it's really awful psychosis. But I, what ended up happening is I surrounded myself with beautiful, loving people. You know, my parents really looked out for me. I moved home for a little while. I removed toxic people from my life. And after about seven months of hospitalizations and living with my parents and and things were getting a little bit better, but they, they really weren't where they needed to be after about seven months sat down with my folks and we we came up with a plan and that plan was to go to a place called Gould Farm in Massachusetts, right near where we do wealthy campers actually. Mm -hmm. And to live on this farm and do manual labor and be in group therapy 
and meet with a psychologist individually and a psychiatrist. And uh, after about three weeks, you know, some people say that for years, and, you know, for me, I really felt after three weeks that I needed to, to, to get back to the city and get back to my life. And I made physical health a, a bigger part of my life and dove, dove right back into the wild honey pie. Spent about eight months trying to regain my position as the founder and CEO of the company. <laughs> that was a little difficult, trying to convince the people I worked with that I was capable of running a company. Uh, but I finally did. So, you know, I, I think that everyone has shit in their life. Everyone goes through difficult situations. So I'm not unique in that. Uh, but I just, I hope that anyone that specifically deals with psychosis, schizophrenia, bipolar, will understand that, I mean, you can, it, it doesn't have to be anything that holds you back. Uh, although so many times it does. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when I was in the midst of my psychosis, I couldn't do a thing. Really, I really couldn't do a thing. And I figured my life was over. And now being on the other side of it, I'm, I think, more appreciative of everything in my life. And I even appreciate the fact that I am bipolar because uh, I don't think that I would be where I am. I don't think I would have started the Wild Honey Pie and put so much time and energy and passion and love into it and sleepless nights and, and everything else that running a business involves without having that part of my personality uh, because mm. you know, it's, it's, it never ends. But I'm very, I, I definitely see myself as being a lot more balanced now than I've ever been. Uh, I have some great relationships in my life that make me very happy very supportive people and I monitored by doctors and, and I just try to live as healthy a lifestyle as possible. So that's my personal experience is really just about uh, staying strong and working hard to, to get through the difficult situations. But you know, there really is nothing that I could compare my psychosis to uh, right. other than other than feeling like my world was ending and uh, having no control over it. And did something trigger that specifically or did it just build up over time? Um, I wasn't sleeping very much and I, I don't even, I really don't know. There's a lot, a lot was going on in my life at the time, but right. I think that I don't, I, I really don't think I'll ever fully know exactly what happened, but. Hmm, crazy. Yeah, I just, I don't really know that much about, you know, bipolar disorder and haven't talked to anybody um, a lot. So I'm, I'm just very curious, you know, like what that looks like. And, you know, is it, is it an ongoing, you know, thing where they kind of say, okay, you have it for life basically, or is there a time where the doctors can say, you know, you've taken enough steps and, you know, your brain is developed in a way that now you do not have it anymore? I mean, how does that work? I really don't know. My knowledge, it doesn't go away. It's something you have and you have to deal with for the rest of your life. Um, hmm. You know, I didn't even say it. I'm, I'm fully, I mean, I'm medicated. I'm on a lot of drugs. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that that's, 
frustrating. Yeah, but, I bet. But what has worked the best for you, you know, besides the medication? I know you mentioned your family and friends and stuff, but, you know, so you're you're running running a business sounds stressful enough, and I think a lot of people can relate to, like, having a million tasks to do and all these different people and, and projects pulling them in a million different directions, you know, without having a significant mental issue like that. So, like, how do you manage stress? Um, with a business and having the bipolar? I exercise. Cool. I spend time with my friends and my family. I try to keep myself centered and grounded and focused. And honestly, I think the business plays a, a huge part in it. The business helps me stay focused. It helps me mm. put my energies into something as opposed to living in one place. Uh, you know, I think that it, it allowed, it, it, my business saved me. It's what has allowed me to, to come back and you know, have a, have a, a life worth living. Right. Have a purpose. Exactly. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that such a profound thing? You know, it's amazing. Cause even, even someone that isn't diagnosed with something like bipolar or schizophrenia, once you take away someone's purpose, you know, even like I felt it in my life, as soon as I don't have a goal I'm working towards or something coherent to give me meaning, it's amazing how quickly we as humans just cascade into just nothing and self-sabotaging and destructive behavior because we just don't have anything leading us in the direction, you know. Um, it's amazing how quickly <laughs> you can deteriorate even if you're completely normal and healthy into something like that. So um, I can see how, how having that can definitely <clears throat> take in the right direction. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I really think that more than anything else, apart from family, uh, having the wild honey pie has kept me alive. It's kept me, it, it motivated me through my darkest times, and it continues to motivate me to this day. Yeah, that's incredible, man. And so what do you think, you know, going forward as you are still building this and you're having the, uh, the welcome campers and you're having the intimate dinners and you're doing all these different things, um, you know, what is your vision for the wild honey pie, you know, let's say like three years out? I know it changes a lot, but kind of what would you like to see it take on and change in the music industry? Well, I'd like to, to have a real impact, again, going back to those relationships. Um, mm. a facilitator of fandom, a facilitator of these relationships between fans and, and artists, whether that be through creating great video content or just introducing them to the music through playlisting, which is only going to get bigger and bigger, unique editorial, and I think arguably most importantly uh, in real life, with these real relationships and these dinners and these experiences, uh, and doing it in a way that's really beautiful, uh, whether that's the design of the poster or the font in the in the video uh, design is incredibly important to me and mm -hmm. having that and having a great sense of design and uh, and brand is uh, is something I see continuing to differentiate us uh, from our competition uh, I see us three years down the line doing a lot more of these dinner parties I've seen you know we're, we're getting ready to do them in Los Angeles uh, Cool. Getting ready to do our first one in Manhattan. Uh, I see them expanding to multiple cities. I don't want to be in every city around the world. I don't. 
I need, I need too much control to, to, to scale my business that way. But I'd like to be in five or six cities. I'd like to be doing, uh, at least two a month in those cities. Uh, we're about to launch, uh, our two a month model here in New York. And on the local campers front, I would like to be doing them around the country. I'd like to be doing more than one a year. Uh, yeah, three years sounds like a long time, but it's really not. <laughs> right? You know, really not. So. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it has so many possibilities, you know, and I think, I do think that our generation and most, I think it hits our generation the most, man, because is it Generation Z that's beneath us? Who's, who's, who's the younger generation? I'm 29, so who's like 24 and below? Yeah, what generation is that? Is that Z? Okay. So Z is, you know, the, the generation that was born and raised just on technology. So it's funny, I was having this conversation with my buddy the other day in that, you know, the Generation Z, they don't really know the difference, right? They were born and raised with technology. And then, you know, there's us who have incorporated technology into our lives, but still remember the old days. We still have those ties to pre-Napster, pre-YouTube, pre-Spotify, um, where you can pick and choose your songs. Like, I used to get CDs, right? I used to get Chumbawamba. Like, I remember I got a Chumbawamba CD, and I loved it. <laughs> and, like, Smash Mouth and all those ones. So I think it just hit such a different chord with our generation because we have such nostalgia for those pre-technology days, but we still love our technology now, you know? And so... You creating this this fusion, um, I think, really, really resonates with people our age. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'm I'm a I'm a tech geek. I really am. I've owned Apple stock since I was a sophomore in high school. Uh, you know, this stuff gets me excited. You know, so if I can find ways to apply technology to what we do in ways that it's very important and yet diminishes its impact on real life experiences. I think that's what we're going for. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Eventually it's going to be, it's going to be a welcome campers virtual reality. <laughs> You're going to put on the Oculus Rift and, and uh, be at, at welcome campers in VR in five years. <laughs> no, I don't know if that's no, good or thank bad. You. <laughs> yeah. It would be bad. It would be bad. Yeah. That would, that would kind of take away from, uh, from the experience there. Um, but no, man, it's so cool what you're doing. Um, so kind of give people the rundown, especially about those, the playlists and stuff. Can you give a rundown of the best way for people to, you know, find these amazing things you guys are doing and then, uh, you know, and where to, where to locate it all? Really, wherever you listen to music, whether it's Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, Facebook, Instagram, However you're finding your music, look up the Wild Honey Pie there. You'll be able to find us. Go to our website. We put a lot of time mm -hmm. and effort into the design. Really fun to play with. Uh, you can find our playlist there, our video content, upcoming events, everything there. Or if you don't care about going to websites, just follow us on Instagram. It's really easy. Uh, yep. Easier than ever to keep in touch with what we're doing. If you shoot us a message, if you comment on one of our posts, we will get right back to you. And... Uh, you know, it's really, again, going beyond just the, the relationship between fans and artists. It's also about the relationship that we have with the people that are using us to find new music. So if you're going to comment and take the time to comment on something we do, we're going to comment back. And that's all really, really important to us is building that community, building mm -hmm. our relationships with our fans, 
um, and finding creative ways to introduce people with the music that will soundtrack their lives. Well said, man. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And then, of course, the the Welcome Campers is that's that's Memorial Day weekend. You said right? That's Memorial Day weekend. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I hope you guys can. Uh, I'll scout for places in Texas for you, man. Like I'll, I'll do that if you guys are <laughs> going out here near Austin. I'll go scout, dude. <laughs> um, Thank you. Yeah, it sounds incredible. So, um, no, it's cool, man. And you're right. The aesthetics of your stuff, I think, is on point. Um, and what you guys are doing, you know, is uh, it's important work. And I think it might take a little, a little longer than than other ventures. You know, it's like a long term kind of thing here. But it's uh, it's really, really badass, dude. So, um, yeah, man. But uh, let's end it there. But dude, I really appreciate you, you know, taking the time to come on here and and. Uh, and just and lay out the story, man, and kind of how you're, like you said, just rewriting the rules of uh, of the music stuff, man. It's, it's really cool. Oh, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. I think your podcast is great. Kudos to you for starting something. And for anyone out there that's interested in just creating, uh, that's the most important thing, uh, whether that's music, whether that's a blog, whether that's videos, whether that's a podcast. You know, we, we, you must create, you must get yourself out there. Uh, it's the most important thing in my life, and it's what's gotten me through some very hard times. Uh, and that's, you know, basically the advice I have for anyone, especially some younger people that maybe are in college or, you know, even younger. Uh, create, create, create. True, and start, right? Start on something. Like you said, it's really cool how you, you started it in your parents' backyard for the summer camp you know, for the, for the welcome campers. And, and now it's going, you know, three years later with, you know, four times as many people, you know? Um, and it really is just about saying fuck it and starting somewhere and then seeing where it goes. Um, I think a lot of us are victims to, uh, you know, just our mind games and never starting, but you're right. Like just, just taking that, that second to just to start, your creation, however it looks, even if it sucks, at least you started it and did something. Exactly. Couldn't yeah, be more so. with you there. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, well, stick around for a sec, man, but uh, we'll go ahead and end it there, dude. And, yeah, thanks so much for coming on, and uh, I'll post all the links and everything. And, and uh, yeah, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Of course. Boop, ba doop, boop, boop. Another episode down. Thanks so much for listening, guys. I'm going to be posting every single week from now on because content is king and all that bullshit that you're supposed to do. So uh, thank you so much for listening. I already said that. I'm tired. Um, Tune in next week. Leave me a review. Subscribe. I think that's it. All right, guys. Enjoy your week, your weekend, whenever you're listening to this. Toodaloo. Toodaloo.